Us being here has purpose on this planet. To know that when we walk outside the door, that my energy is needed, it is loved, and we trade value and we give. Today was a day we remind ourselves that our presence has purpose. Hello,、uh, we are back again with our new episode of CMO Asia podcast, and I'm your host Wayne Chong. Today、uh, we are right here in the east part of Singapore, in the middle of a partial lockdown, and I'm so glad because I'm so privileged to have Daniel Marcus Bowie coming onto the show. How are you today? Hi, good morning. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> well,、um, doing the best we can in this partial lockdown, but、uh, just trying to stay happy. <laughs> Fantastic! Because when I see you, you know,、uh, coming to our studio this morning, and、uh, we were smiling our face, I know that this show is gonna be great because、uh, <laughs> your positive outlook, your positive mindset, and of course,、uh, you've been already out and about the whole entire morning. Yeah. Tell us what you did and what kind of positive impact you're trying to achieve、uh, today. Well, you know, in 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 dark times like this, there are there are two ways we can we can we can. You know, two avenues we can take. One is to wallow in self pity. The other is to just try and you know take the situation and grab it by the balls and and take advantage of it and do the best you can. And the way to to get around it is to just have a positive outlook and、uh, and be happy. And if you think that you have all these problems, think about all the the other people who have worse problems than you. So take advantage of this time not only to. To help yourself, help your businesses, which、um, you know this is a this is a problem that's that universal. Everyone's having problems with their business, but the、uh, but also reach out a hand to help the less fortunate. You know there are, there are other people out there who who might be disabled, who are homebound, people who might have、um, severe financial problems, people like like the boys in the boys' homes. They are in a worse off position. So if you're in a position to to reach out and help them, then. This is a chance to show empathy, you know, and and I think empathy is is lacking in this world right now. This is a perfect opportunity also、uh, to show that you know you you can reach out and make a difference to to other people. And it's sad that it takes a pandemic like this to to make us realize that. But hey, you know, you learn a lesson every new every day every day. It is really brilliant, and I really like that because you mentioned a few keywords there: empathy. You mentioned、yeah. about、uh, having a positive mindset and helping、uh, each other, right? Yes. So, like、uh, recently, I was、uh, doing a lot of traveling before this started, and even at the beginning, I was like,、uh, you know, barely in Singapore for more than two days, and I realized that once、uh, this、uh, lockdown started、uh, to come in place,、uh, I've、uh, actually cut down all my traveling, and、uh, my my、uh, finances have also went down. My、um, traveling and also business opportunities have gone down. Yeah. 
but my empathy level has reached its maximum. So yes. is that what uh, is going uh, you know, through in your life as well? Like your empathy level is maximum uh, you know, in your entire lifetime and uh, you're not really concerned you know, about like business or even uh, you know, making money or trying to do the things that you used to prioritize. Uh, in fact, tell us about what are the things and the changes that have impacted on you? What have been different for you, you know, in terms of your business and your lifestyle right. ever since it started? Oh God, you know, if, if you say that, that um, making money is not important, honestly, I'm panicking right now. I, I, I'm panicking every single second because uh, it's not just about making money to survive, making money to, to feed my, my dog at home, but I run a company. I'm responsible for, for my staff. And indirectly, I'm also responsible for their families because at the end of the day, they still have to be paid. Rental has to still to be paid. Mm. And uh, you have to worry about these things because if the company closes down, it's not just me. It's, it's a whole ecosystem of people that are affected. You know? And, and it's, it's because of this that we've seen like-minded company owners all coming together and, and collaborating and it's, it's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing for people to just reach out and, and lend a helping hand, not just business owners, but you see ordinary men and, and, and women in the street. You know, um, there's, a, there's a wonderful woman, she's the MP of, of the Tampis GRC, Cheng Li Hui. She is working with the community centers to get the volunteers to sew masks. And these masks are not sold. These masks are all donated to healthcare workers. They're all donated to people who can't afford these masks, uh, to the sick, to the elderly. And uh, not only is she behind this wonderful uh, initiative, but you know the, the, the older people at People's Park who are selling fabrics and all, uh, we want to support them as well because when partial lockdown kicks in, they're not going to have a salary. And these are people who are in, 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 a, in a more vulnerable position than us. So you, at the end of the day, no matter how scared you are, you just have to take stock of your, your life and realize that there are other people who are way worse off than you. And I, 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 the, the, the amount of people who have been stepping up and, and volunteering their services, you know, there's this wonderful COVID-19 support group and people are reaching out, people with cars and all that who are, who are volunteering to do grocery runs for people who are unable to do it, people who, uh, who are volunteering to bring um, uh, animals to vets because the owners are, are incapable of doing that. It's, it's absolutely amazing. It's really heartwarming and it's amazing. This is brilliant, and uh, we know that you've been so active and busy with helping others, you know, uh, and also putting uh, other people first, rather than, you know, uh, looking at, uh, you know, your current, uh, you know, state of your businesses, and of course, the other initiatives that you've been driving ever since uh, this uh, pandemic uh, uh, hasn't even started, right? So I want to talk about uh, this uh, wonderful initiative that you have spearheaded, uh, and of course, uh, you are also working closely with, like, Malaysian designers as well, I heard. Oh. So tell us a little bit about, you know, how, how has this uh, pandemic affected you and what was your approach, you know, in terms of business-wise, uh, collaboration-wise and personally, what are the changes that has uh, really, you know, come about as a result of this uh, pandemic? Right. Yeah. I, I think when, when, this, when this thing hit, we didn't realize the impact of it. You know, during Chinese New Year, we were still 
joking about it and all that. And then when it started to get really serious, now's the time when we go through a day having 5,000 things going through our minds at the same time. Not only just wanting to reach out and help others, but thinking of ways to, to keep your business going, thinking of ways to, to uh, new ways of, of converting the, the present projects that you have, you know, and being an event organizer, being a fashion show producer, a lot of our things are people-centric, but obviously people-centric does not cut it anymore. You know, uh, it, it's, it's amazing how, how crazy one little ruling can make to everyone's lives. You know, when, when the government came up with the ruling that you can't have more than 250 people in the same room, the nature of all our shows, the nature of all our events changed. And then we started to work with clients, some of the clients who, are, who wanted to continue with their events, to rework the concept of the events. And then on that faithful day when uh, they passed the rule that you can't have more than 10 people in the same room, I think my phone just, my, my WhatsApp just completely exploded. Um, suddenly everything that we were working on could not be done anymore. So what do you do? Reach out to your collaborators again and come up with completely new ways you know, completely new ways of, of reinventing the way events are. And we're not the only ones to do it, and, and we can't claim credit to be the first. Look at, look at the musicians of the world who, and uh, the theatre community, Andrew Lloyd Webber, you know, putting his musicals online for people to watch, the, um, the drag queens of the US, because they can't go out and perform in clubs anymore, they have done everything online. Fashion hasn't done that. Festivals haven't done that. So... At the end of the day, we are not an island. We can't do it alone. We need a whole support system. And, and that's wonderful that the event uh, business owners in Singapore have all come together to, to lend each other a helping hand, to, to support each other. Because at the, 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 the first industries to fall, one of the first few industries to fall is events. When the restaurants were still open, when the pubs were still open, events were being cancelled. Some of the, the owners have not had a single job since February. Some of them have had uh, shows and projects cancelled for the rest of the year. So it's a very uncertain year for a lot of us. And the way to get through this is to, is to work together. Work together with sol to, to find solutions. And um, I think the world is never going to be the, cha uh, the same again. You know, it's going to change the world. It's going to change the way people view events, it's going to change the world, people view socializing, the world will never be the same again. I really like that and of course uh, these initiatives are coming out from you know from your yeah. own uh, initiative, uh, also ideas that are in your, in your head but because you are so busy and executing you know all these ideas they don't remain dead in your head and currently all these have been uh, you know in uh, in motion and uh, of course uh, you have collaborated really well with people around the world not just in singapore um you mentioned also about uh, all these uh, jobs that are disappearing and uh, some of your peers in the industry having a really tough time i'm also gonna maybe share like uh, for example, for my own involvement, you know, uh, going around conferences around the world and uh, interviewing people, creating content for them yeah. and also creating shows where podcasts, those jobs, uh, you know, all the way until September have been cancelled as well. So, yeah. like, for me, it's also a really tough time. However, you know, I really find that, uh, you know, sitting down with you uh, a few days ago, having <laughs> coffee 
really you know uh, rekindled my uh, spirit and my morale as well because you're one of those uh, people that I really admired since uh, oh gosh thank uh, you you know a uh, few years ago <laughs> not you. decades ago a few years ago because <laughs> uh, you have uh, you know uh, so much accolade and achievements in terms of uh, you know not just uh, being one of the uh, prime movers you know one of the key creative people uh, you know in the region yeah, uh, highly sought after creative director as well. You create the uh, fashion shows, and something that I learned from you when I started my podcast is that uh, even your shows, your creative projects are all like stories, and it's something that I try to incorporate into my podcast as well, where I try to put a spotlight on my guests and tell their stories as well. So you are the gold standard in Singapore and oh gosh, thank beyond you. as I'm well. Very <laughs> So maybe can you tell uh, or maybe chat about what uh, questions you ask yourself and your team, you know, when you are creating and curating shows. And uh, because of this pandemic right now, how will you keep on improving on that standard or even pivot to new territories? Right. Well, um, you hit the nail on the head. Every single project starts off with whether there is a story to tell, you know, and, and working whether we're working with a festival organizer or working with... Uh, a fashion designer, when we're talking to them, when we're conceptualizing it, do we have a story to tell? If we don't have that basic story to tell, then maybe it's not the job for us. You know, it might be the job for someone else. Maybe the job just, or the concept doesn't resonate with us. So once we've got that story to tell, ideas will keep flowing. You know, and, and being a, an event producer, these ideas manifest itself in different ways, the way we design the set, the way we design the invitation experience, the way we design the, the experience when guests first arrive, the show, the, the post-show. We are really like authors except that instead of putting our stories down in a written word form or in spoken word form, it is a physical aesthetic. And, uh, and, and maybe that's how we're tackling this, this problem right now as well. You know, when, when we're thinking of how we can convert these shows, which are live shows with a live audience, into something else that works with all the restrictions right here. First and foremost, what is the story we want to tell? If we have a story, that story can be, uh, can that story be told in a video form? Can it be told in film? Can it be told in a written word? Because if you've got a good story, it can be told in many different ways. And that's how we've approached it. At the same time, we take this as a learning process as well. We don't know everything in this world, and um, I'm of a different generation. I'm actually quite old. So I, I choose to surround myself with knowledgeable people who have things that they can teach me. You know, that's, that's my, my mantra when I'm hiring as well. I want to hire people with skill sets that I don't have. I don't want to hire people with skill sets that I have. Then what's the point? I don't learn anything from them. They don't learn anything from me. And... Um, Perhaps that's holding me instead, in good stead right now with, uh, with the pandemic and with all these restrictions because all these people have new ideas. So we sit down, we talk about it, we'll have... These discussions are really amazing. Of course, these discussions are going to have to take place on Skype right now, you know? Yeah, um, but everyone's got new, new takes on how they can translate that, that idea, translate that story. And uh, I think it's really amazing. We, we do have a lot of creatives in this world and the world is so small right now. The people you collaborate with don't necessarily have to be from Singapore. You know, some of the people I'm collaborating with are from our neighboring country, from as far away as the UK, you know, everyone's in the same boat. But 
because we're all so connected and we're all creatives, we will find a way. It may be tough right now, but we will find a way. I really love the uh, practical uh, aspect of, uh, you know, in terms of how you uh, curate stories yeah. and also how you benefit partners and also yeah. the way you put the spotlight uh, on others uh, in the industry as well. So maybe we chat about uh, ways to increase the, the visibility of your work. Now with the pandemic, right. the whole game has changed. Yeah. And of course, uh, it used to be whereby brands or even sponsors, right, they pay millions, you know, in order to communicate or get, uh, you know, their uh, promoted offering services platforms or their branding recognition out to the masses. So uh, we also believe that uh, in uh, any brand's uh, marketing strategy, right, yeah. or even for some designer labels that you used to work uh, really close with and you're still working really closely with, could you share, like, there are other ways uh, in terms of getting more eyeballs on brands or maybe designer labels on community and uh, events that is, you know, uh, of course, uh, due to the lockdown, no longer uh, in-person event, but they are all now going uh, virtual online. Yes, yeah. Um, from a person who grew up in a completely different era and who, who was very late in the social media game, I would say virtual, online, social media is everything right now, especially so because we can't communicate with each other. You know, we can't get out of our houses. Social media is everything. So you've got to be connected. You really have to be connected. You have to know how to play the social media game. You know, it's not important. It's not enough just to start an Instagram account or start a Facebook account. You need to be able to learn how to reach out to your target audience. Is it uh, through tagging other people? Is it through hashtags? There are different ways depending on what your target audience is. For example, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm bringing pulling this back to the, the pandemic, you know, we have this COVID-19 support system and this COVID-19 support system uh, started off on the, as a Facebook group, you know, but uh, not every single person is on Facebook. A lot of the elderly people don't even have cell phones. They don't even have computers. But once you build up your network, people know that you're capable of helping with maybe grocery runs or with, with pet issues then the word spreads. And if the word spreads, the wider your network is, when someone finds a person who needs help, even if that person is not connected, they will connect them back to you. So the, don't underestimate the, the, the power of social media, the power of the World Wide Web. You know, things like uh, all these shows being put online and all. Why is it that we in Singapore are aware of what's going on in the US and what's going on in, in the UK and even in other other smaller countries because of the power of the web and the power of networking. In fact, uh, WhatsApp groups are our, our, our modus operandi right now because nobody can meet face to face. Nobody can have meetings. So everybody communicates via email, via WhatsApp. It's very immediate. Everybody's talking about projects on WhatsApp right now and it pushes things along. You know, and I think this has given us the tools to be able to write this out. But of course, at the end of the day, it, it is up to you how you make use of these tools and how you, how you uh, find the right collaborators to, to come up with new ways and new ideas as well. This is fantastic because uh, many people, you know, they are not so uh, into using technology. They are also uh, against using technology, thinking that, you know, the old way of uh, 
you know, operating certain industries or even events, driving events, you know, has to be live, in person, right. has to be something where, you know, you're physically there. And many people are slow to pivot or even consider using the online or virtual community and platforms to do it. But you are one of those who are very, uh, very advanced and also forward looking. And you have mentioned a few apps that uh, coincidentally are owned by Mark Zuckerberg. You know, you mentioned yeah. about WhatsApp, Instagram, yeah. Facebook. And many people who are in those industries whereby they have no access or they are, you know, refusing to change, they don't, they are not even using those platforms, and that is uh, really one of the uh, barriers, you know, in terms yeah. of uh, being able to communicate a message and also uh, to uh, have access to their audiences and even potential uh, collaborators. So this is something yeah. that I really admire. And uh, you mentioned about you know using WhatsApp a lot. Yeah. Uh, and also uh, being on Instagram uh, and also Facebook groups. What are some of the Facebook groups that uh, uh, you are most active in? Maybe can you tell us uh, how is your social media consumption, you know, in terms of your daily basis? Okay, um, when I mentioned that, that the world is being, uh, that social media is going to be the future, uh, it is also very easy to be caught up in social media. You know, you don't spend 24-7 just completely glued to your computer because then you 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 only get one source of information right you you have to make it work for you and not the other way around you can't be a slave to it and uh, as far as as Facebook groups or, or my whatsapp community is uh, I try not to I try to diversify because Daniel Boy is not just about events we're just not about music we're just not about fashion you know like uh, I'm an author as well so I have, uh, you know, in fact, when my first book came out, there were people who came up to me and said, did you write the book yourself? But you're a fashion person. How can you write? So it, it just made me realize that a lot of people walk around with these blinkers on and they think that, okay, if I'm a lawyer, that's all I can do. I can't have interests outside of my law career, vice versa. You know, um, I, I'm a dog lover. I, I help and volunteer in shelters. You know, I, I'm an author. I am a very active member of the National Eczema Association in the, in the US. I, I contribute a lot to them because that's a wonderful organization. But does that take away from the fact that I'm an event producer, I'm a creative director, I'm a fashion person? No, it just makes me, I think, a more rounded person. And uh, I've had the wonderful opportunity to be able to, to push every single one of my agendas. So in terms of Facebook groups, I have Facebook groups covering every single, every single one of my interests, every single one of the things I do. Uh, I'm part of dog groups, I'm part of fashion groups, I'm part of community groups, because I think giving back is very important. I had a wonderful mentor who taught me a lot. I've had, and one of the first things he said was, it's very easy in the industry that we have, uh, that, that I'm in, to get carried away and think that, that the world owes you a living. The world does not owe you a living. In fact, you should be grateful to the world for giving you the career that you have or that you will have because you're only as, as important as, as the people who make you important, as the jobs that you get, and always be grounded. And, and I've always remembered that. You, know, you, you have to give back. For every opportunity, for every wonderful big show that I've been given a chance to produce, it stemmed from somewhere. It stemmed from an opportunity I was given much earlier. You know, likewise, uh, with with uh, fashion shows, fashion designers, you know, with I had the 
I've, I've been very lucky to have had a chance to work with some of the biggest designers in the world, but it stemmed from somewhere. It started from somewhere. It started from someone giving me a chance. And that's why I, I try, even before this pandemic happened, I'm very big on mentorship. I try to reach out my hand, and, uh, extend help to designers, musicians, all sorts of creatives. And now um, to dogs and the lesser fortunate, uh, it's, it's important to give back. You mentioned about all these opportunities that uh, come about because of course your drive, your creativity, your ideas, and also your ability uh, to be uh, having your fingers on the pulse of uh, social media and technology. So uh, maybe uh, let's track back uh, to the beginning. Uh, maybe the next uh, phase uh, of this uh, podcast, uh, we're going to deep dive into your personal story, your career journey, and of course, some questions about entrepreneurship as well. So we think you're in the best uh, position to answer all these questions. Tell us uh, from the beginning, uh, how do you ever get started, uh, you know, uh, being interested uh, in this uh, creative field and eventually, you know, uh, doing the role that you're now doing? Okay, um, this is an accidental career. <laughs> I, I'm not one of those who was who popped out of our mother's womb holding a, a copy of Vogue or, or wanting to, to do events. Um, I, my, my greatest interest growing up was books. You know, um, I, I was happiest just spending hours in the library just reading and I can, I can get through 10 volumes of, of Hardy Boys or Nancy Drew in a single day. That, that was my happiness. And maybe that, that, that built the foundation for me learning how to tell stories because I enjoy stories, I enjoy reading, I enjoy writing. And then from books, I discovered theatre. So I was very active in theatre as well for a while, from, from secondary school all the way to JC, to university. And maybe it's a combination of all these, all these um, things I've learned from, from reading, from writing, from from theatre that, that, that piqued my interest in everything to do with the performing arts, you know, music and all. And uh, I, I also stumbled upon uh, fashion purely by chance. You know, uh, happened to bump into a few different people who were in the fashion industry. They brought me for fashion shows. I started to get involved in them. When I was in university, there was a fashion design competition called Body Covert, of which I wasn't a part of. I'm not a fashion designer, and I don't profess or, or have designs to be a fashion designer. I work with fashion designers to tell their stories. So at Body Covert, I, was a, I, I, I choreographed a sequence for a budding designer. Dick Lee was there. He was one of the judges. He said, oh, you know what? I like your sequence. And you know, for, for a young kid, that is validation. That is... That's so exciting to see someone you look up to, to see someone that you, that whose work you enjoy, say, oh, your work is good too. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, but again, this was the first job that was offered to me when I graduated from university and I didn't have to write a resume. I, it was just offered to me because this person knew of my work in university, in theatre and fashion and all that. So being a very lazy person, I said, okay, why not? Give it a shot. And then I learned to love it. You know, I learned to love it. I learned to love the people um, who are in this industry. I, again, I think I've, I've got a wonderful guardian angel. Most of the people I've met, I'm still friends with today. My mentor, the, uh, my earliest booker, some of the, the designers I've worked with and all that. I've really had the, the wonderful opportunity to work with some amazing 
kind designers who, who took me under their wing and taught me everything I know. And I'm still learning today. You know, the, the day you think you know everything, that's the end of your career. You, know, you, you have to keep reinventing yourself. You know, going back to Facebook and going back to social media, um, you know, you're talking about how some people just refuse to embrace it. Some people just want to do shows in a certain way. <coughs> Excuse me. You know, some people just, just are stuck in their ways. These are people that I think um, are going to have a, a very limited um, career opportunities because the world is changing. The world is changing as we speak, right? And I was late in the social media game, but I quickly realized that you have to, you have to embrace it in order for me to stay relevant. Otherwise, my job is going to be taken over by a younger guy who is going to be more qualified with more skills more knowledge than me i really love that because uh, of your propensity to also innovate and uh, to keep on learning <coughs> so you mentioned about some of the uh, really famous names in singapore you mentioned about dick lee you know he's also one of uh, my heroes and he's of course hero. <laughs> uh, you and him and i think there are a few other people from the magnificent seven from singapore fashion yeah? oh no 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 uh, i was never part of the magnet Magnificent Seven. The Magnificent Seven are, are way before my generation. Um, I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that they were people I looked up to. They were the creme de la creme of, of Singapore fashion designers. I was in school then, and even then, as a non-fashion person, I knew who they were. Designers like Thomas Wee, Tan Yong, you know, uh, Bobby Chung. Uh, these, these are all the, the founding fathers of Singapore fashion. Without them, we wouldn't have the industry that we have today. But it all takes, uh, it, it, it all starts from somewhere. And uh, I think there isn't enough uh, emphasis played, <coughs> I'm so sorry. I think there isn't enough emphasis placed on knowing your history. The young designers should know where they came from. Because if you know your history, you would know how you ended up in this position and uh, it wasn't handed to you on a silver platter. That's fantastic because these names that you just uh, gave to us are all household names in Singapore and why they are greatly admired because they are doing things that maybe 99% of the Singaporeans are not doing. They are innovators and they are also very brave and courageous in terms of uh, creating their own path. Of course, uh, Dick Lee is uh, one of those people and uh, you also mentioned about mentors that came into your career that really touched your heart, you know, helped you with your career. Maybe uh, chat about a client that changed your practice. Uh, maybe is there a story about someone that you want to highlight? Well, you know, there, there, are, so many, <clears throat> there are so many people in, in various stages of my life. If <laughs> I would talk about all of them, we'll be here till, till the 4th of May. It right? take seven <laughs> days, the end right? of the pandemic, <laughs> yeah. Um, <coughs> but... Uh, you know, we go through different phases of our lives. When you first start out, people are, are teaching you the basics of the industry. And then I think um, the next phase of my life was when I started to travel. And um, you know, that, that, that whole thing about being at, the right um, being at the right place at the right time holds so true for me because I, I met my, my UK agent because I was a replacement producer for a, for a British designer event in Vietnam and they, they happened to like my work. I started traveling around the world with them and that's how I ended up in the UK working. And then the UK taught me a whole load of, of new lessons as well. 
working internationally, working directly with the designers taught me a lot. Working on my own without the support system of my friends around me also taught me, it, it, it helped me grow up, you know, and, and helped me, uh, taught me about running a business. And then when I came back to Singapore, I started to work with uh, the Textile and Fashion Federation to do the Singapore Fashion Week shows and all. And that again taught me new lessons. You know, it taught me about the business aspect of designers because it's so easy to just stage a show and tell a wonderful story, but does it resonate with their final audience? Does it help them sell clothes? Does it help them build their business? Because everything ties up together. So I learned about the business of it. And in fact, that was about the time when um, SARS hit. So that taught me new lessons. 2003? Yes. That taught me a lot of lessons about resilience and that was the first one of the first few times when i realized that um, of course social media wasn't big at that time you know but it also taught me that you've got to be resilient you've got to be creative to stay ahead of your game because that's how you survive that's how you continue in this business because i saw um, contemporaries falling off the radar during this whole period and then of course there was a the financial crisis and all that. So all these taught me new lessons. Yeah. This is and fantastic. Yeah. I think um, the last phase would have been, um, I would consider it the social media phase when, when uh, it all started when a, a group of young models or young creatives said, you mean you're not on Facebook? You mean you're not on Instagram? You mean you're not on Twitter? Let us tell you what it is. And then I started to learn the, the importance of it and how much impact it can have on your business. So I think I'm going through this last phase of my, well, I would say last phase because that sounds really, that sounds really terrible. But I'm going through this new phase in my life where I've learned how to embrace social media. I've learned how to embrace technology and, and the World Wide Web and make it work for my business. I think the biggest value of this conversation so far is your, uh, not just your ability to learn, your ability to pivot, you're inspiring us by been constantly learning and not just uh, rest on our laurels and you know uh, even the, during the times uh, when uh, everything is so unpredictable it's so unprecedented in terms of everybody you know having to stay home you know you're already thinking of new ways to over communicate your causes uh, bringing you know opportunities to your collaborators and people we have uh, shown love and concern for because these people are part of your uh, you know, important people that uh, help with your career as well and make your business uh, grow during so many decades in the business. So maybe could you uh, share with us some of uh, the uh, tips or advice for those who are entering the market? You mentioned about those new crop or new generation of uh, people in your field who are very savvy with internet, very savvy with maybe Instagram or even these days TikTok. Yeah. So there are definitely those who are very confident about making it in the industry, but uh, they do not have the same kind of experience or even the maturity and also the way that you are functioning, which is to always keep on learning and being humble at the same time. So maybe can you maybe uh, tell this uh, new crop, a uh, new rise of uh, creators and when they are feeling, you know, overconfident or for the other group who are feeling intimidated that there's so many things to learn, how should they get to the top in their industry? And how do you get your skills, experience and knowledge 
from the beginning right until now when you're still constantly learning? I think when you when you enter any industry, find it it's great to be ambitious, but you don't start that should being at the top shouldn't be the be all and end all of, of, of why you enter the industry. Enter it because you love it. Enter because you think you've got the skill set to do something to make a difference in the industry. Whether you're a show producer or whether you're an author, you're a fashion designer, or even a dog rescuer, you know, why are you doing it? Can you make a difference to the industry? When you rescue a dog and you rehome a dog, you're making a difference to the dog's life. When you're writing a book and it touches someone, you're making a difference to a person's life. That is the most important. And that will keep you that will spur you on to keep learning and learning and learning. You know, and, and you have to keep learning. There's no one person in this world that knows that, that has the knowledge for everything. And even if you know everything right now, tomorrow you'll be passé because the world would have moved on. Right? Uh, case in point, the world is so unpredictable. All of us had our wonderful programs planned out for the entire year. I did. You know, this is the my 30th anniversary. I'm, I'm celebrating my 30th year in the business this year and we had these uh, wonderful plans and everything. And all it took was one pandemic to change everyone's lives, everyone in the world. But what do you do? You just have to pick yourself up and, uh, and keep going and keep learning. I know it's, it, it sounds very superficial. I know it sounds really, really easy. It's harder said than done. But um, nothing is going to be achieved by, by sitting down and wallowing in self-pity. But having said that, no matter how, how, how much you want to save your, your business and all that, do it with heart. Do it with the heart. Do it with empathy. You know, some of the people who are in the support group are people who have bigger problems than me. You know, I run a very small boutique firm. Some of these uh, people have huge overheads. You know, some of the restauranters have, have, have landlords that are completely unsympathetic and, and, and take advantage of the situation. And yet, they are the, some of the most generous people I know. And I, I, I really look up to them and I, I just wish I could be a third as, as generous as them. But you have to remember that that you have to give back. You know, saving your business is one thing, but not at the expense of stepping over other people. This is amazing and uh, so many golden nuggets uh, and also uh, advice that we should keep. And of course, our listeners are always very curious or so about uh, some of the uh, ways whereby you overcome crisis. Uh, um, you mentioned about SARS in 03, the last recession that was in 08. And of course, during a recession, uh, there will be many cuts, projects will be cancelled, uh, there will be a lot of jobs that are lost. So we are always very interested in how you managed to stay on top of a game despite all those uh, numerous crises that happened throughout your whole life and career. And um, perhaps you might want to maybe chat a little bit about how you bounce back from a crisis. And also, do you have any like uh, tips or even hacks or techniques that you can advise our listeners on how to keep really good, healthy mental health? You know, like uh, for example, uh, there are many people with a lot of anxiety and worries right now. Those who are watching, some of them are, you know, instead of consuming 
uh, you know, content like this where they can actually learn practical tips. They are actually watching CNN 24-7 and really following like number of, uh, you know, cases or number of deaths that are occurring even in countries that are not uh, here in Singapore, but in overseas. You know, they even get alarmed and get anxious when they see there are like 3,000 new cases uh, in, in UK or 3,000 deaths in USA. How do you keep your mental health in check? Any techniques to share? Um, I, I think I'm very, very lucky to have uh, <clears throat> someone at home that, that, that helps me with my mental health. Um, I'm a single parent. The only difference is, is that my, my kid has got four legs and fur, right? And uh, you know, through going through all these crises and all that, sometimes people are just not interested in listening to your problems. You know, some of the, some of the, the closest friends you have are people that you can't turn to because for various reasons, they might, have, they, they might and they probably do have problems of their own as well. But, uh, you know, all, and all you need is someone that you can chat with, uh, not a punching bag, but someone you can bounce things off like, oh, oh my God, you know, my, my show got cancelled. You know, you just need to tell someone about it. Oh my God, my last meeting got cancelled. You just need to tell someone about it. But not everyone is there to listen to you. But having said that, they are, they are also heroes that turn up in the most unexpected of places that will lend a listening ear. But at the end of all this, when I go home, I know that I will have someone who loves me unconditionally, someone who will sit down and listen to me pour my sorrows out. And, and she's my... She's, <laughs> she's like my support. What is her dog. name? Her name is Leia. Leia. Yeah, she's a rescue dog. Yeah. And um, I think she is the reason why, she's the one, the reason why I, um, why I get so, so much strength, you know, and, and it inspires me to, to push on because at the end of the day, I'm responsible for not just the lives and the livelihoods of my staff. I'm responsible for another life as well. And, um, it spurs me on. She has also taught me a lot about love and unconditional love and empathy and all. So it, it spurs you on. And uh, you are so right about, about watching things that make you happy. You know, there, there are a lot of things in this world that make me angry or irritated. People who don't practice social distancing, people who continue to party and all that. But, it, you know, I can either choose to go on Facebook and vet my frustrations. Who are all these people? Why are they, this guy touched me. I do not like this, you know. Why is the government closing this down? Why is it so inconvenient? Or absorb it and just exude positivity. You know, talk about happy things. Talk about positive things. Because I think not only are you cheering yourself up, if I can cheer one other person up, I think my job is done. You know, uh, I... I have now chosen to ignore negative messages or people who bitch on Facebook, even if they have a point. You know, when, when, people, uh, when, when people start going to the supermarkets to panic buy, yes, I am angry. Yes, there are so many things I want to say about it. But everyone is already saying it. And the more I read about it, the more upset I get. So I just want to read about wonderful things. Oh my God, amidst this pandemic, this dog found a wonderful adopter. You know, um, happy things like uh, supermodel, uh, the Singapore supermodel gene was stuck in Europe throughout Fashion Week. 
oh my god, she's back in Singapore and she's safe. You know, happy things like that. Um, someone who's actually reached out um, to old folks and, and, and bought food for them or helping to support them. I, I choose to read these things rather than to get myself down by reading more and more of these like negative messages. And there's so much fake news going on as well in this world. You know, not just on, on social media, but in WhatsApp and all that. People are spreading all these fake news and all that. You have it in your power to ignore it. You know, you have it in your power to, to, to check. It's your responsibility to check whether it's, it's legitimate news or fake news before you spread it. I really love that yeah. because I think it's something that has also worked really well for me. I've been limiting my media consumption. I basically uh, switched off all my TV. Um, I'm more spending more time on Facebook uh, for the reason because the algorithm knows what I love, which is positive news. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So even uh, some of the uh, you know friends uh, on my Facebook, uh, if they are really grumbling about, for example, the government, or saying this is not enough, or that is, uh, you know, or just basically just spreading pandemic news every day. Like, yeah, um, yeah. you know, uh, like today there are six deaths. You know, we are we are thinking aloud. Like uh, when we come across things like that, we already know that you don't have to yeah, tell yeah. the whole world. You know, this is uh, the situation right now. If we want those news, we know where to get it, right? Yeah. So yeah. a lot of these people are actually being blocked, <laughs> you oh, know, uh, on my list at this moment. <laughs> And uh, of course, uh, social media, the reason why they are also so powerful is that uh, they will bring you only the news that you love. So I'm sure that uh, the groups that you're in, like uh, the, uh, the fashion industry, the entrepreneurs, uh, the people who are supporting positivity and also for good causes, uh, they really you know, push only good news to you. And I think that's a really good hack in terms of maintaining our mental health during times like this yeah recently i also have another guest who came on to the show and shared a 15 minute uh mindset rule whereby you can only worry about things that are going to happen in the next 15 minutes anything that's gonna happen after the next 15 minutes that are beyond your control you cannot worry about it so i think that has also helped me a long way and i think you know with uh, the tips that i'm also getting from you on maybe trying to consider having a pet as my, not just a soulmate, but someone I can, you know, talk about things that otherwise some of our close friends or loved ones, they should not hear, you know, in, mm -hmm. in, instead of, you know, uh, burdening them with even more worries. It's actually a really good technique that I will also consider. So Daniel, can you tell us if uh, I want to adopt a dog or I want, uh, you know, to have a pet, uh, to accompany me, you know, um, what should uh, be the best way, you know, to go about doing it? Should I buy a pet dog or should I just adopt? Okay, um, I'm going to start this off by saying that, you know, a pet is for life. A pet is not uh, just there to tie you over this pandemic. And then when, when things are hunky-dory again, you get rid of the pet. You know, when you, when you adopt a living creature, be it a dog or a cat or a bird or a tortoise or a guinea pig, it is for life. It is a responsibility. They are like your kids, you know? Um, and I'm a very big advocate of adoption solely because, and all you need to do is just, I know I, 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 know I said earlier about not, not uh, inundating yourself with horrible news, but if you read about how the conditions in puppy mills, the conditions in pet shops, um, this is same thing but different, but watch this thing on Netflix called Tiger King. Okay, where, uh, okay, the, the people who run these tiger farms and all that, they are egotistical, they are obnoxious, but what happens if the tiger comes? 
when the tiger cubs are no longer cute enough for people to play with. They euthanize them. What happens to, and I'm generalizing now, what happens to, ask yourself, you know, um, you go to a pet shop, you see a puppy, a puppy is cute, you want to buy the puppy. What happens when the puppy is no longer cute? What happens when the puppy grows up and is still not sold? What does the pet shop do with that, that puppy? Ask yourself that. Ask yourself about the conditions in puppy mills. Where did your puppy come from? What does their papa and their mama look like? You know, and uh, the, the, the shelter I, I volunteer with, Voices for Animals, they rescue a lot of ex-breeding dogs. And, uh, and you know, every time I go to the shelter, I just, my, my heart breaks because you look at the condition that, of these dogs. And there are so many dogs in the shelters that are, that are looking for good homes. So open your heart. Don't be a breed snob. I always think that people who want to buy a certain dog, they are not dog lovers, they are breed snobs. I only want to buy pedigree dogs. I only want to buy a poodle, right? Why can't you say, I only want medium-sized dogs? I only want dogs with less energy. I only want big dogs. I only want short-haired dogs, regardless of breed. Then you're a true dog lover, right? And the dog picks you. If you pick a dog and there's no chemistry, then the relationship may take a bit of time to work, but most of the time, the dog picks you. I was picked by my dog. You know, um, the, the guy at the shelter had the foresight to realize that, hey, you know what, I think the dog and this owner has chemistry. Introduced me to the dog, the dog came, picked me, and the rest, as they say, is history. So, um. yes, please do adopt. And, you know, in times like this, it is even harder for the shelters because they can't do adoption drives. So reach out to them. There are so many shelters out there that, that have so many dogs. They are, they are struggling because a lot of them are non-profit. They rely on, on donations and, and volunteers. And of course, as volunteers, we can't go to the shelter right now because of the partial lockdown. You know, reach out to them on Facebook, on, on Instagram, you know, Voices for Animals, SOSD, Causes for Animals. ASD purely adoptions and, and this is just the tip of the iceberg there are so many other shelters there are independent shelters as well there's SPCA all of them need help all of them have dogs that, that require good homes you know and as a volunteer one of the jobs we do is to screen potential adopters and people get upset with that but the reason why we screen adopters is one to make sure are you ready to have a dog at home? Are you adopting the dog for the right reason? They are, it's, to, it's, to, uh, it's to separate the, the, the genuine adopters from maybe uh, an illegal home breeder who's looking for another dog to bring home to breed. You know, and, and at the same time, you may be the, a, a perfect dog adopter, but you might have kids. So if you have kids, at the, uh, and you want to adopt a dog that's really boisterous or maybe a dog that, that doesn't like kids. So it's our, it's our responsibility to, to make sure that we pair the right dog with the right family. You know, some of them, some of the dogs may be more suited for households with no dogs, right? Because of past trauma. So we, we as volunteers, because we go to the shelters and all, we kind of know the background behind some of these dogs. Not all, but it is our job as a volunteer to, to help the adoption process and give you the right dog for you. You know, I was very lucky. I, I went through uh, an interview and he spoke to me and he found the right dog for me. 
And I knew from the start, and she knew I was the right owner. She knew, okay, this is the slave who's going to be taking care of me for the rest of my life. He's a sucker. Right? So, you know, please, by all means, adopt and, and reach out. All the shelters are, are, are very friendly people. You know, they, they want to do what's best for the dog. And if you can't adopt a dog, but you want to help, you can donate. Either donate cash or donate food, donate... Um, you know, medicine to the dogs or help pay for their vet bills because pandemic or no pandemic, just like humans, we have requirements too. We still need to eat. You know, we, uh, if we fall ill, we need to see a doctor. Likewise with the animals. So there, there, are, there are many ways someone can help, uh, help the shelters. This is fantastic. I think uh, for anyone who wants to consider adopting a dog uh, maybe uh, they should uh, come to you for uh, advice yeah and of course uh, <laughs> one of the things that caught uh, you know my attention when i was looking at uh, your facebook as well there are always pictures about you and also you sharing stories of your you know experiences and also the wonderful time spent together with your dog and that's something that uh, you know during times like this when you know the in terms of uh, how everyone is rethinking how we are living our lives, whether we are setting up priorities correct, even uh, our attitude towards animals and pet dogs, you know, yeah. has all changed. I think this search in terms of uh, rethinking how we used to, you know, live our life and also treating other people, treating animals, uh, but now also cause uh, more uh, people to pay attention, you know, to really uh, look at uh, adopting as uh, one better way rather than just uh, buying a dog because it's fashionable to do so yeah. or it's uh, something that you can just cast away when you're no longer feeling lonely yeah so I think these are really great advice and uh, since we have only uh, less than five minutes we're almost reaching one hour wow. let's uh, <laughs> maybe end this uh, podcast uh, with a speed round where I'm going to bombard you with Lots of questions, so oh it's going to be quick and fast. Try <laughs> not to right. overthink your answers. Are you ready? Okay, let's go. <laughs> a fashion brand that you cannot live without? Um, any Singapore fashion brand. Thomas Wee. Your most admired Magnificent Seven? Thomas Wee. <laughs> <laughs> if you could have dinner with any three people dead or alive, who would it be and why? Um, Alexander McQueen, because he is a designer that I've always wanted to work with and wanted to emulate the late Alexander McQueen. Uh, Alexander Batak, who owns the biggest show production company in the world, and um, I've always admired his work. He's done all the biggest shows, and Madonna. Definitely, and uh, Madonna <laughs> recently was uh, causing a lot of ripples on social media because she was saying that pandemic is the great equalizer. I couldn't agree with her more. I couldn't agree with her more. You know, sometimes uh, she is a, a, an example of a person who knows how to use social media, and. Um, because of her, her reputation and, uh, and that's how she became famous as well, by, by pushing the boundaries and, and, and uh, disrupting the social order. So now she's doing it on, the, on, on social media and because she's disrupting it, people pay attention to her, good or bad, you know what I mean? But she's not doing it in a malicious way, she's making a point. And that, uh, you know, the video of her talking on the phone, you know, in front of camera on Instagram, and recording herself with this message about a pandemic and a hot take on it when she was, uh, you know, just soaking herself in a bathtub captured billions of eyeballs. Yeah. I think it really yeah. captured our attention. And at her age, she's still really doing it and proving it, right? Yes. So the next question, um, London, New York or Singapore? Um, definitely Singapore, uh, especially in this pandemic right now. Um, I, I'm truly grateful uh, with what our government is doing for us 
there are a lot of inconveniences that have that that we have to live with, but we know that it's for our own good. If it's anywhere in the world that I'd rather be right now, I'm so glad I'm here. Fantastic. Cardio, weights, or yoga? Uh, weights because uh, I have no stamina, so I hate cardio. I don't understand yoga, and I'm not very flexible, so I guess that leaves out that that, that leaves weights. Fantastic choice. Podcasts or blogs? I would say podcast because I'm having a great time right now. <laughs> Fantastic. Cola or lemonade? Uh, okay. The I should actually be drinking lemonade because it's healthy for me. But cola. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What else do you have going on that you want our listeners to make sure they will be on the lookout for? Well, uh, look out for all the new shows that we are planning right now. I have no idea when it's going to be released because uh, I have no idea when this pandemic is going to end. But uh, keep a lookout, and and you can go onto my Facebook page, go onto my Instagram page, and and find out everything you want to know. Not just about shows in my life, but the books. I I wrote four books last week because Fantastic. I was stuck at home. I wrote four books, uh, four children's books, Great. which are going to be third, uh, which are going to be published um, when we get some semblance of life, you know. Uh, and all these books are inspired by my dog, and also about adoption. Or if you want to volunteer, if you've got if you've got the time and the means to reach out and volunteer and help people with uh, less less fortunate people with maybe uh, their grocery shopping or providing meals for people who are unable to have meals, reach out, reach out. You know, there there's so many people out there. There's so many animals out there that need help. We do want to direct our community listeners uh, to also find you on the web to look at your work, of course, and uh, on social media and definitely on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. What are your social media handles and your website? Okay, um, I have two accounts on uh, Facebook. My personal account is Daniel Marcus Boy, and my uh, I would call it a frivolous account is Daniel Boy, and that's where I post like um, fashion news, my favorite outfits, uh, models of the moment. Uh, and, and other things that inspire me. Whereas on Daniel Marcus Boy, I post things about my work, my dog, my um, everything that, that's, that's, that's important to me. Yeah, on on uh, Instagram, it's Daniel Boy. And uh, my dog has an Instagram account as well. My dog is more wow. popular than I am. Uh, when, when I go out walking my dog, I'm known as Lear's, Lear's Papa. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so my dog has an Instagram account too. It's, it's look underscore it's underscore Lea. As How many in, followers yeah. uh, does she have, so the woman? Oh gosh, um, I think she's got close to 8,000 followers. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Wow, so I can't wait to follow her on Instagram. I can't wait also to really consider you know, adopting a dog. But of course, it's a great Thank responsibility. And who better than you to ask more advice about uh, adopting a dog. So thank you. we really thank you for sharing your story, your journey with us. And I definitely enjoy talking to you. It's an amazing time. So I'm going to finish this episode right here. Um, hopefully, we can do a follow-up episode two or maybe even run a podcast series about dog adoption in the future. Sure, I'd love that. Thank you very much. Thank you for coming on. Thanks.